you know, mornings like this are so much fun, you know, because we have families that have come together and, and it's, it's not just our generation, it's the generations that come after us. And, you know, the biggest responsibility that we have as Christians is to see to it, not just that we have it in our generation, but the generations that, that follow us have that truth of the gospel. Or we could say it this way, they understand the meaning of Christmas. You know, uh, for me, um, you've heard me say this probably almost 35 times now, but you know, Christmas and you know, particular holidays and stuff for me are, are difficult times to put together a message, you know, because it, it should be easy, you know, because you got a, a topic that just definitely stands out there. But for me, the problem is like with Christmas is the message that we read in the, in the scriptures is so significant and so complete in itself, so full of truth, you know, you're almost afraid to add anything to it or take anything away from it. You know, and so it, it is, it's such a joy to be here today. I wanna to talk with you a little bit about Christmas and why we observe it. You know, the, the world around us, it has its reason for celebrating Christmas. If over the last weekends, if you've been foolish enough to go to Des Moines and go shopping, which we have been, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's total chaos, but for, for the world, that's what, it's, that's what it's all about. That's all that they have, is they, they, they have this materialistic thing. And, and you know, I, I mean, if you come to our house, it's going to appear that we're extremely materialistic. You know, but we're materialistic in a spiritual way. Amen. You know, because we haven't lost the sight of what Christmas is really all about. You know, and so hopefully within our materialism is the giving to one another, like God so gave us, that's the motivating force that's behind it. But Christmas for us as believers is, is really to, to give thanks, time of give, to give thanks that Jesus was born. You know, because before Jesus came, there was no hope. I mean, they had the laws and they looked forward to his coming, but there was, there was no real hope because Jesus in his birth, he brought us peace. In his birth, he, he brought us reconciliation, grace. He brought us truth because there was no true truth here in the earth. Jesus came and he, he paid the price for sin. He gave us authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. In other words, all authority has been given to us so that we can deal with 
any circumstance that encounters us, comes against us in life. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Luke, the, seventh, the second chapter. You know, and in, in Luke, the, the second chapter talks about how the angels appeared to the shepherds and they, they, they brought, declared peace and harmony to mankind. You know, the world has this idea of, of peace. If we can get all the nations to sign treaties and agreements and so forth, well, we'll finally have peace. No, you won't, because they're still human beings and it's just another law for them to break. But what we have is we have an inner peace. And that's what the angel was declaring. The angel said, peace has come. And that peace that came wasn't in the form of a treaty. It was in the form of a man. And that man was Jesus. And, and peace has come into the earth. And when we experience Jesus, we're able to experience peace as we've, we've never experienced it before. You know, the most miraculous time, and how can you talk about the birth of Jesus without talking about that day where you experienced birth. The most miraculous moment in my life was that moment that Saturday morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house some 45 years ago when I prayed with three other men, and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I received peace. Because I received the author of peace, Jesus. I don't know, maybe when you get old, you get more emotional about that. But I'm so glad that I have a home in heaven that I don't have to worry about the conditions of this world. I, my only concern about the conditions of this world <clears throat> is so that my children and my grandchildren, if Jesus should tarry, my great-grandchildren, have a world to live in, that they have the freedom to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's where the generational thing comes in. You know, God, our God is a God of generations. He doesn't want just us to know about it. He wants every generation that follows us to know about it. And so, in Luke, the second chapter, the 11th verse, it says, and this is the angel's declaration to the shepherds, for there is born to you this day, there is born to you. And you see, we need to take this personally. There was born to you, to each and every one of us, this day. Today is the day of salvation. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men, peace. Peace to you. Peace to you this morning that you might experience true peace in the person of Jesus Christ. And his peace was made available to us because of the completed works of Jesus. Turn with me to Ephesians, the second chapter. How do we find this peace? It isn't just something that drops upon us. We have peace because we have peace with God. It's the only place you're ever going to truly find peace is when you finally have peace with God. You can have peace with other people and it's nice, but your world is still in utter turmoil. But when you find peace with God, and it's through Jesus, it's, it's what Jesus accomplished for us. Listen to this in Ephesians 2.14. I mean, this is, <laughs> who would have ever thought in Ephesians 2.14, you would find the message of Christmas. But it is. It's what Christmas is all about. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and has brought down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile both them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. There was this separation. Remember in the Garden of Eden after Adam had fallen and God spoke to Eve and said that there will be enmity, there will be separation, there will be disharmony, and throughout all of creation from that time forward until Jesus came, there was this enmity, there was this separation between God and man and God gave man the law so that we could see how great a need we had for a savior. But through Christ, through Jesus, that enmity has been removed. And you know what that means? That means that we have peace with God. That means that God isn't mad at you. That means that you and I no longer have to be fearful of God because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. You see, when we're trying to earn our position in God, when we're trying to be good enough, we never know when we've been good enough. 
And the truth of the matter is, you never can be good enough. But through Jesus, and through his completed works, he made us good enough. He removed the enmity. He died on the cross, paid the price, so that you and I, that we could have life. That we could have it more abundantly. Not just abundantly, but more abundantly. Look with me to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians. We're going to look at the fifth verse. And it says, therefore, if. So, if implies there's, there's a condition involved. And here's the condition. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. What does that mean? Is anyone born again? Well, we're qualified. So we, we meet the condition. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. I say, well, Pastor, you know, I've read that a lot of times. Yeah, but do you believe it? <laughs> if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And then it goes on and it says... Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All this is because there was a baby born in Bethlehem, Jesus, who came to live his life for you and I, to give his life on the cross, to die, to be resurrected from the dead so that you and I might be justified so that you and I, that we might be new creations in whom old things have passed away. You know what that means? That means you don't have to dwell on your past any longer. You don't have to live in your past any longer. You don't have to allow your past to dictate your future any longer. Why? Because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. It, Another translation says, you're a new species that never existed before. Why? Because of Jesus, because of Christmas. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. In other words, we now have peace with God. We now have harmony with God because of Jesus, through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which means now you and I, because of our position, have authority to bring others to Jesus so that they no longer have to be at odds with God, but that they can be at peace with God that they can know what you and I know. God's not mad at us anymore. God loves us. God is at peace so that we can have peace with God and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God, as though God were pleading through us. Notice, as though God were pleading through us. In other words, the words of peace, the word of hope that goes through us. Think about it. It's as if God himself is speaking through you. You're the voice of God. That morning, Vern Lewis was the voice of God speaking to me. Hope, reconciliation, peace with God. You know, and the thing is, I didn't have any goosebumps or anything. It was just, <sighs> I knew God wasn't mad at me anymore. The message this morning is God's not mad at you. God loves you. You have peace with God. For he, God made him, God, <laughs> Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. He became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You and I, we're the righteousness of God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so that means he's no longer holding our sins against us. Why? Because we're forgiven. Forgiven. John 10.10, 10, it says, but the thief, has come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The thief has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. You know what religion has done is it's given many of the attributes that belong to the devil to God. And so when something's stolen from us, we say, well, I don't know why God's taken that from me. He had nothing to do with it. He's a restorer. Yeah. And what the enemy has stolen, Jesus has come to bring restoration, to bring wholeness back into our life. And he does it through peace. It is God's will for us to have goodness in all areas of our life. Not just a select few, but in every area of our life, it's God's will for us to experience that abundant life because Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have it in abundance. You know what? God takes care of all of the arguments. 
turn with me to the Gospel of John, the fifth chapter. And what God the Father did was he gave Jesus, his son, authority to execute judgment. You know what? We don't have to fear judgment any longer. Do you know why? It's because we've already been judged. Listen to this in John 5, 26 and 27. For as the Father has life in himself, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him, the Son, authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. So, Bill, you can rejoice you're getting the rains right now that you need for this spring. That's what that sound is that you hear pounding upon the roof. And so I'll, I'll just preach a little bit longer so you don't have to go out into the rain and get all wet. You know, otherwise I'd just close. But for your benefit, I'll just share a little bit longer. Jesus was born as a man. And so he understands us. Why? Because he lived a life as a, of a man. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all things, yet without sin. And what that means is everything, not just a few things, not most things, everything that you and I encounter in life, Jesus had to endure. You encountered loss in life, Jesus did, and he endured it. Temptation came your way, and it's been so strong that you can barely resist it, Jesus encountered that. Because he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. In other words, he never yielded to it. And so what that means is everything that you and I go through, everything that you and I go through, insecurity, fear, Jesus had to endure that very same thing. And he did it and came through victoriously because he never yielded to it. And so what that says to you and I, if Jesus endured it, he empowered you and I to be able to endure it, to overcome it as well. Jesus, our Jesus, took care of once and for all the sin issue. We look at ourselves and we, we criticize ourselves and we put ourselves down because we know ourselves so well. But Jesus removed the sin issue. The issue for the lost isn't sin. The issue for the lost is their rejection of Jesus. And if they would stop rejecting Jesus, sin would cease to be an issue. For you and I as believers, we still struggle 
Or is it just me? We won't have a show of hands here this morning because we want to get out of here and I don't want to have to have a prayer line for liars. We, we all struggle with it. Amen. Oh, amen for all of us. But the sin isn't the issue. The issue is we take our eyes off of what Jesus has completed in our lives. And as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, sin has no dominance. That addiction has no dominance. That area has no dominance in our life because we yield it to Jesus. Matthew, the first chapter. The 21st verse. And here's the angel speaking to Mary and gives her this prophetic word. And she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You've not just been saved from eternal damnation. You've been saved. We've been saved from our sin. You know what that means? That sin no longer dominates our life because of the life of Jesus that's living on the inside of us. And it's all because of a Christmas morning. Our sin is taken care of, past, present, and future. Jesus is the Word who became flesh. Jesus is grace and truth. You will never know truth without knowing Jesus. You will never know grace without knowing Jesus, because Jesus is grace, Jesus is truth, Jesus is the Word become flesh for you and I, so that we can have the abundant life. One last passage. In John 1, what's one last chapter a couple of verses. Verse 14 first, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh. The Word became flesh. And that Word was full of grace and truth. You read through the, the Gospels and you read the accounts of Jesus. And what you find is a man full of grace and truth. He never compromised truth. He never strayed from truth. But he's full of grace. The woman with the issue of blood. 
Grace spoke up and healed her. The woman caught in adultery. Grace spoke up and said, I don't condemn you. Go sin no more. Grace, you see, grace. There are 5,000 people that were hungry. That's just the male, the men. What did Jesus do? He sat them down and he fed them. It was grace in manifestation. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, what do you see? You see grace in manifestation. And so in our lives, what ought people to see? They ought to see grace and truth in manifestation. Why? Because the Word became flesh and that Word was released in you and me and that Word produces grace and truth in the hearer. And so we ought to be those filled with grace and truth. If there's anybody that ought to be gracious to a lost and dying world, it ought to be you and I. Because we understand what we've been set free from because of Jesus. And then verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. The law was given. It's talking about something that was given. Talking about a gift that was given. The law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came or was given through Jesus Christ. We're not under the law. And so we're no longer walking in fear. We no longer tremble, tremble in the presence of God. We come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. If we have a need, we, we approach the throne of grace with boldness. Why? Because we know that we have grace in his presence and his answer to us is yes and amen, so be it that God loves us with an unconditional love. Think about that. Oh, I want that love. I want that unconditional love that when I look at those around me, rather than being irritated, I just love them for who they are because that's what Jesus did. He loved us in spite of us. Because he is full of it. He is full of grace and truth. Let's be full of grace and truth. Let's not bind people up. Let's be vessels that loose people in the same way that Jesus loosed us. Set us free from fear. Set us free from constantly trying in our own ability. But finally, we've come to the place where we realize it's what he's done. And we receive it because we're his. 
Father, I thank you this morning for Jesus. For if it were not for him coming as that babe being born in a manger on that Christmas morning, we would be not only without peace, we would have no hope. There would be no way. But you've made a way. And you've revealed it to us. And so, Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful as we celebrate this Christmas day. We do it with a thankful heart, thankful for family, thankful that we have our church family. But Father, more than anything, thankful that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus for us. And so we celebrate that today. We don't just celebrate a picture that we have in our mind of a baby in a manger. We celebrate a Jesus that was born, that grew, that, that uh, performed miracles, that suffered, that died, that was buried in a tomb, that on the third day was raised from the dead, is now seated at your right hand in heavenly places, and who is coming back for a victorious church. We, your sons and your daughters. So Father, today we rejoice and we're so grateful. And Father, as we leave this place today, I just pray, first of all, for protection, not knowing the conditions of the road and knowing that there's family that is traveling today and tonight. And Father, no evil reports are going to come out because everything's good Amen. because we serve a good God. But then, Father, we just pray that it'll be a, a blessed day. And that in the midst of all the rejoicing, our mind would be stayed on you. That we had not, as Pastor Dan Dennison always said again, forget the reason for the season. And you're the reason. And we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And so, Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we leave this place, we go in your peace. We go in your joy. We go in your strength. Demonstrating in showing your love to those whom we encounter. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. And next Sunday, you get to celebrate a Happy New Year with us. So give somebody a hug, let them know you love them. <laughs>